I'm excited about um, family communion today, and we're going to be talking a lot about your family and what's going on in your family. In fact, let me start right over here um, at this table full of marbles. Now, we have uh, students in here with us. We normally have kids' church on every Sunday, and I don't mean kids' church, the best kids' church around. I mean, fantastic kids' church. Yeah, come on, y'all give it up for the kids' church. Even if you're like, I don't know if I should clap or not because I don't have kids in kids' church. Well, they keep the other kids out of here. You could have clapped for that, right? There you go. I got a few extra people. No, they do an amazing job. But I specifically asked that all the families come together and sit together this weekend. I know some of you guys have brought some family from out of town to sit with you. There's some new people in the church. Welcome, welcome. Uh, And we have kids here. And I'm going to try not to bore kids. I'm not a kid speaker. Um, But I want to start with this little simple illustration that kind of speaks to our family. So these marbles represent the number of weeks that you have with your children in your family. So this is a, a newborn. Uh, when, when you first have a baby, uh, you've got about a thousand weeks with that child before they graduate high school. And, and it seems like a lot. So this is about a thousand marbles. It seems like a lot. It seems like they're going to be with you forever. It seems like life. But when you get a little bit older, like I am, uh, you, you see how quickly time begins to pass away. Each one of these marbles representing a week you know, a Sunday or a Saturday ball game or a, a week of school or whatever. And, and the days can be long, uh, uh, but the years go by so fast. Until you're right here and uh, you, you've got a child that's about nine years old. And where you have a thousand marbles here, you've got about 500 marbles, 500 weeks left. Uh, I've got a kid that's just turned 10 years old and I can see I'm losing my marbles just, just like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That actually is happening. Your time is slipping away. And it really feels like for me, for my 10-year-old, it feels like it feels like he's still here, you know. But really, this visual lets me know half of my leadership, half of my opportunity, half of my time with him is gone. And if you are a 16-year-old, if you've got your driver's license, this is about how much time we've got left with you before graduation. This probably is um you know, think about it, it might be about four more summer vacations, four more Christmases before, uh, you, you know, you might be visiting other Christmases, you know. And, and if you're a parent, you know, you've got opportunity in that time to show love and invest in them and, you know, give them direction and have some influence over their life. But as these uh, number of marbles goes away, your influence kind of diminishes, uh, if they're 16, they can go places. They can go see friends. Other people's influence begins to rise in their life and rival even your influence. If you're that teenager, you've got this many more weeks to have like free food, a free place to live, you know, someone to reset the Wi-Fi router for you when it goes out, like all the stuff that they've been doing for you. There's a shelf life on that. And the unconditional love that you just take for granted because your parents have loved you from the day you were born and they love you no matter what, that is not going to go away, but you're not going to live in that for your whole life. And that is why it is so valuable and so important that we focus on faith in this season of life. We, With all the other things that are important, like school and education and um, you know uh, recreation and, and ball games, other things that are fun... As, as our time dwindles away and we get closer and closer to this and, and closer to that last week living in the house, 
Have we invested in faith? That's why I'm so glad that you're here today. There's other things to be doing on a holiday, but you're here today because you recognize that faith is valuable and faith is important. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes before we share family communion. We're going to all get together. We're going to pray over your family. I hope you'll give us the privilege of praying for your family individually today before you leave. Let me just briefly tell you a story of Hannah, a mother, and Samuel, her son. Now, Hannah was a godly woman, but unable to have children. <clears throat> Just she and her husband, simple folks, you know, from a country, uh, uh, sort of out in the country uh, community. And they would have to travel for worship. They would go to a place called Shiloh. This is back, uh, gosh, maybe 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. They would go back and they would travel to the temple and, and the, pro- the priest Eli uh, would, would uh, minister to them. So this woman, Hannah, is praying and praying and begging and asking God for a child. She's unable to have children. She prays so much uh, that, that she's kind of wailing and praying, and they, they kind of think she's uh, lost it, you know. Uh, but finally, God answers her prayers. She has made a promise with God that, God, if you'll just give me a child, I'll give him back to you. I'll give him to the ministry. He'll, he'll be a, a priest one day if you'll just give me a child. And God answers her prayer. And then comes the test. You ever made God a promise and then God comes through and you're like, oh crap, I have to do my part now. Well, that's what she has to do and she does it. She brings Samuel, her son, to the priest Eli and and Eli will raise him there in the church or the the temple in Shiloh. And there uh, in that faith community, he is raised up and she, Hannah, is only able to see her son once a year. And she'll bring him a new change of clothes, which is basically a linen ephod, kind of like a robe. And, and, and there, there, there is how he grows up. Now, he grows up in a, in a season and time in Israel's uh, uh, history that's just terrible, both spiritually, militarily, politically. It's just a bad time. In fact, the Bible describes it here, 1 Samuel 3 and 1. Um, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare. Focus on that. Everybody say rare. So, so the word of God's rare, and there was no frequent vision. Now, these are the people of God. This is Israel, God's chosen people, to reveal his son Jesus to the world. Why did he choose Israel? Because he loved you who are not in Israel. He loved you so much. Israel was his vehicle to show us all Jesus, okay? So Israel was the people who needed to hear God and needed the vision of God, but there's no word of God and no vision from God. And into that place, God is going to raise up someone named Samuel. How important is Samuel? Well, the Bible in 2022 was the best-selling book uh, all year long. I'm going to go ahead and predict that next year, this year, it's going to be the best-selling book in 2023. Actually, it was the best-selling book every day you've been born in your life, okay? So it's not a, a stretch. That book, the Bible, has 66 books within it, and two of those 66 books are named after this little kid from this small town in Israel. He's a pretty important figure. Very important figure in human history. He steps into a time when this is going on, all right? It's an awful season. He's far from God. But here's what the, 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 the nation of Israel, I should say, is far from God. And here's what God says in 1 Samuel 2 and 35. I'm going to raise up a faithful priest who will do according to my heart. That's a prophecy that actually is fulfilled in Samuel. He actually begins to hear from God at a very young age. So he's there sleeping in the night. He hears someone call his name. He thinks it must be Eli, the priest, the older man. So he runs to Eli's room, says, yes, what do you need? And Eli says, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And then almost immediately he hears it again, and he runs back to the priest, and he says, I I know you called me. I heard And he says, hush, go to bed. I didn't call you. 
Uh, and then on the third time when he goes to wake up Eli, Eli realizes, you know what? I used to hear from God. I wonder if God's speaking to him. Because Eli, you know, is, is, is this, one of these people that has allowed the spirituality of Israel to go down so far, but he's still able to remember how God speaks. And this time he says, the next time you hear your name called, just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And just like that, a, a young boy becomes the mouthpiece of Israel. Let me tell you something. God is not waiting on you to go to Bible college or seminary or to have a title like pastor beside your name to speak to you, to give you a word from heaven, to speak vision into your life. I, I have been so excited about this moment. I, I know some of you are like, well, it's the first day. I'm going to come to church, whatever. Let's go to lunch. I'm not thinking about anything except telling you this. All right. I'm so excited to tell you this. God wants to speak to you and through you in 2023. Your, your life matters. There's something more important than the influence you have over social media or the business deals that you're working. Those are important. I don't mean to say that doesn't matter. I'm just telling you on that level, those are the cares and the desires of your heart that God promises that, that they matter to him and he's going to give you those things. But there's another level that you were meant for that's above all of that. It's a spiritual level, and you are worthy of it. You can get there through the blood of Jesus and his grace over your life. You are deserving of being a mouthpiece of God. And I hope you don't think, well, no, I go to a great church, and you know I trust those pastors. They're the ones that know the word of God, and they're the ones that give the vision. That's great. I appreciate that unity. But God also wants to speak just to you and give vision just to you. Why? Because there are people who won't hear me or our leaders. They'll hear you, though. And if you're a young teenager, man, you, you, you get your kids to, your friends and, and, and guys that go to school with you, get them to come to youth group, and that's great. But the greatest influence they're going to have is not Pastor Joe or Pastor Jaron or Pastor Cody, our other uh, student leaders. You are going to be the best influence on their life. So God can speak to all of us. So the exploits of Samuel, let me just see, I just made a list of this young nobody kid from nowhere, what he became. Not only did he become a priest that would take the place of Eli, but he became a prophet to the whole nation of Israel. He was the first prophet after Moses. There was no prophet before him in that time. He was also a judge over Israel and the last judge that ruled over Israel. That's kind of like a Supreme Court justice and the president and the commander-in-chief all rolled into one. He had ultimate power. He picked up broken Israel after they'd been defeated by the Philistines and they were just spiritually and militarily and politically uh, debased. He just picked them up and, and brought revival to the whole country. And then he anoints the first king over Israel. Samuel did that. Made Saul the first king over Israel. And then when Saul rejected God, Scripture says God in turn rejected Saul and said, I've chosen a new king. You're going to anoint a new king, not of the lineage of Saul. Now, if you were ever in a monarchy, the fastest way to die is to suggest there's going to be a new king. All right. and, and in fact, Saul would have loved to have killed uh, Samuel if he could have found him and gotten his hands on him. And who does he anoint but King David, the greatest leader in antiquity? And David, how important is King David? Well, when Jesus Christ comes along, they call him the son of David. All of this, there's no David without Samuel. Now, I gave you that little history lesson of Samuel because I want to talk today about having a legacy of hearing from God. I want to make sure you're with me. Everybody say a legacy of hearing from God. 
I would love that to be the truth about your family, that we regularly talk to God and we hear from God through the scripture, through community faith, and through our own prayer, we hear from God. Now, we're starting our year like we always do at this church with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It begins uh, next Sunday because some people are on holidays and they're not back in town yet, but I want you to get ready for it, okay? We will, for 21 mornings, pray together. Now on Sunday, we just come together for church. Okay. Our teams pray together, but Monday through Friday, we're going to, we're going to have a worship and prayer experience in the building at 6 a.m. from 6 to 7 a.m. Yes. In Jesus name, you can do it. I mean, I, I'm going be honest with you. I don't every day get up at five o'clock. Okay. So when five o'clock happens in the winter time and my alarm goes off, I start to rethink my career choices. But as soon as I get up, And when I get here, honest to God, I wouldn't lie to you, it's the most refreshing part of my year. Those 21 days are life-changing. It's like your head is not encumbered by work and family responsibilities. You've got that hour, 21 days in a row to just hear from God, and it helps me make decisions. Uh, We've heard testimonies of people who found out who they're going to marry and people who made business deals and, and people who were healed physically and mentally and spiritually. So many wonderful things happen. So that starts not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock, and then on Saturdays at 9 o'clock, and it will change your life. Now, fasting is also a very important part of what we do. And I don't really have time to talk about fasting today as much as I'd like to, but I want to show you this website. Take this down, okay? If you're thinking about fasting, and what does that mean for my life? What would I set aside to uh, to focus more on God? We have a webpage daystartchurch.tv slash prayer and fasting, and there's a lot of examples of ways you can fast, You can combine it with some kind of a food fast and some other fast. Let me tell you, one of the things I'm going to be fasting this year is social media for 21 days. That's something that you should pray about because it has such an influence over us. I think sometimes it will keep us from hearing the voice of God. So you take a look at that and 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 be a part of that. Now, let, let me get back to Samuel for a minute. Samuel had a legacy of hearing from God. His mother spoke to God, made a promise, if you'll just give me one child... I'll give him back to you. She does that, and then God gives her five children. I know what some of you are thinking. Why is God so mean to to do that to her? Are you still with me? That's a joke. It's a little joke, but it's funny. It's funny to me anyway. Um, But that was a desire of her heart to have more children. And five, you know what five represents in the Old Testament? It's the number of, anybody know? It's the number of grace. Everybody say grace. This is a display of when you give God the first in your life, not knowing what else is coming after the first. Maybe the first is all you're going to have. You don't know, but you give him the first in your life. It releases the grace of God over you. And you've always got this question in your life. Who's going to be better? Who's going to be more powerful or more capable, me or God? And I know the easy answer is like, well, of course God is in yet, but how many of your first are you holding on to? Come on, somebody say amen. I'm holding on to my time. I'm holding, I I don't want to share my faith with anybody else. I'm worried about my reputation. Let that stuff go and watch the grace of God come into your life. 
The same is true of tithing. It's true of your finances. In fact, you can see this principle of giving God the first and then seeing the, the grace of God poured out on your life. Once you see it in Scripture, you see it everywhere. They, somebody gives God the first and God pours out so much more in their life. So much that in Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he would say, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all, come on everybody, say all. All these other things that you desire will be added to you as well. Would your finances be a part of all? Would your family be a part of all? Would your physical health, mental health, emotional health be a part of all? Would your business dealings be a part of all? Let me tell you, it works. And I would challenge you, make the first item on your uh, New Year's resolution being, I'm going to give God the first of everything in my life. I'm going to stop saying, you know, it's hard to run through molasses. <laughs> you ever, some of you maybe 22 was a year of just run. You ran so hard and got nowhere. You know what it is? It's doing it in your own power. But when you give your life to God, when you give all those things to God first, you get supernatural grace over your life, and God can do more with your life than you will ever do with your life. Somebody say amen. amen. So God starts speaking to Samuel. And Samuel is able to hear the voice of God. God raises Samuel up. I'm going to show you a few things that happen when you can hear the voice of God. There are five things here. Some of you are already thinking, man, he's been preaching a long time. He's got a five-point sermon. He hadn't even got there yet. See, I'm going to do it all at one time. You see, I got it. Don't worry about my preaching, okay? Here's what happened in Samuel. Hearing from God regularly made him faithful and loyal. Unlike his predecessor, Eli, who heard from God and then uh, he fell away from God. And I don't have time to tell you all about Eli's story, but Samuel was faithful to the day he died. When you hear from God, God draws you close to him and it'll happen in your life too. This is why I want your family to be a legacy of hearing from God. Secondly, it made him humble. He had all the power when he became a judge over Israel. But when God spoke to him, he knew how to step back and give that power over to the new king, King Saul. Now, here's one thing that you know about Scripture. Scripture tells us that all of us will be humble. The Bible says we can humble ourselves and God will exalt us. Or we can exalt ourselves and God will humble us. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I've tried it both ways. I'm much easier on Jerry when I, when I humble myself. When God has to humble you, he will skin you up on the way down, buddy. It's best if you're close to him. You hear his voice. You know, hey, you're getting out of line. Humble yourself. Take the second chair. Don't have to always have it your way. That, that, that is, listen, if you're having a problem being humble, if everybody thinks you're arrogant, you're the only one who knows you're not arrogant, you might be arrogant, okay? How do I find that out? Stay close to him and you'll hear his voice. Thirdly, being close to God made Samuel a visionary leader. When the scripture said before Samuel came into his, his authority and leadership, there was no word from God and no vision from heaven, but God released vision into his life immediately. You know what? There is a gaping vacuum. There's a hole in our community of God-given vision. And as I look out here, and it's rare that I get to preach to like uh, adults and, and, and teenagers and children at the same time. If you don't hear anything else that I have to say, young people, hear me. I'm waiting on God to give you vision. 
I don't just want you to do what the preacher tells you to do. I don't just want you to follow in line. I'm excited to see what the next generation hears from God. I don't want you to go out and hear from a TikTok influencer. I don't want you to tell me what they're saying on this social media platform or that. I want you to get alone with God and hear from God and get creativity about what God wants to do in your generation. God wants to bring revival to your school. He wants to change the way uh, our culture is. You are the solution to that, not a, a preacher. You're the solution, and if you'll stay close to God, if you will pray, if you'll stay close to the faith family, you'll hear God's voice. He'll make you a visionary leader. Next, being close to God made Samuel courageous. You, you will remember that I said that when Saul had rejected God, God chose David, and, and Samuel had to put his life on the line to anoint David. Being close to God will make you courageous. And lastly, it made him an example to others. From a small boy, he led by example. He was a spiritual example. We're going to get together in just a moment, and we're going to pray over every family. And I want to talk a little bit about how you, uh, how you partake of the Lord's communion. Jesus said these words that were intentionally powerful and, and uh, controversial when he talked about the Lord's Supper. It says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you'll have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, th those words seem really crazy. Um, they, they seem pretty shocking. And, and for centuries, there have been Christian groups that were considered to be cannibals because of that. Here's what we know about those statements, is that when Jesus talked about eating his flesh, he wanted you to understand, he was talking about the breaking of his body on the cross. And, and, and when he talked about drinking his blood, what he meant was, my, my blood's going to be poured out for your sins. And when you look on the sacrifice of Jesus, you don't just accept it, acknowledge it, believe in it. You consume it. You know, that the, 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 the biggest challenge to religion is religion. The biggest challenge to a relationship with God is religion, you know? We get in our own way, you know, thinking that we can just acknowledge and, and learn, uh, you know, principles from Jesus. Oh, he was a great leader. And he was a, no, Jesus said that that won't do. It was a great story about Jesus. Maybe it was a myth, but the reality of the, uh, the principles are, no, no, no. Jesus won't do with that. He said, I am the only son of the only God. I am the only way to heaven. And you've got, if you, you'll have no life unless you consume that. In a moment, when you take the Lord's Supper, you'll take that piece of bread, you'll chew it and swallow it. What you're saying is, I accept that there is no way for me to go to heaven except your body was broken for me on the cross. When you receive that juice representing his blood, you're saying, there's no way for me to be a good enough person to make it into heaven. Your blood has to pay for my sins. He, he's saying you have to completely consume that. And, and as you take the Lord's Supper, you know, I hope at this new year, you've got goals for yourself. You know, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to I'm going to work out more. I'm going to eat better. You know, I'm going to read more. It's probably a lot of good goals. But know this, the most powerful act a creature of God can perform is prayer. What we're about to do 
as we pray for you, our elders and pastors and leaders, as we pray for you, we're, we're joining with you. You're praying for you and we're praying for you in the most powerful thing you can do. Man, when I get a chance to pray for people in this moment, I'm praying for supernatural blessing over their life, for protection from God, for a year of God's wisdom and God's word coming to their heart and vision for their family, their business, their their ministry. You know, this moment is, is powerful. In fact, we got a chance with some of our leadership team to have a little prayer time a week or two back. And in that prayer time, God led me some stuff that I'm going to share later. But one thing I, I heard from heaven even before that is that 2023 will be a year of revival for this church. A year of revival. And I want you to step into that prophetic declaration for yourself. Revival means to take something that was discarded or thought to be dead and see it come back to life again. Your spiritual life first needs revival for some of us. Maybe a, a dream of, of a business deal or expanding or starting a business. Maybe you wanted to be a missionary. Maybe you wanted to go into the ministry or go to college. Maybe there was some other dream that you've set aside. You've just decided. You prayed a hundred times and it didn't work out. And so you're just wondering, maybe it wasn't God's will. I want you to step into that and say, God, I again believe your promise is real for my life. Step into that and believe it. Maybe you prayed for healing. There's something in your body and you just thought it's just my burden to bear. Let's believe today for your body to be healed. Maybe there's someone you love, someone close to you that's far from God. Their life is in destruction mode and you thought, well, I've prayed a hundred times and it just can't happen. Let's step in again and believe for this to be their year of spiritual revival. Maybe you've battled an addiction and you've thought, I just don't know I'll ever get over it. Why don't you accept and proclaim this is my year? of total freedom from that addiction. Maybe you've struggled with a family issue. There's been a breakdown. And in fact, in a moment, as we as we pray for you and, and families come forward, I want to say this. I know there are going to be a number of individuals coming by yourself. I want you to come. Maybe maybe a divorce happened or, or maybe the, your loved ones passed on that would normally worship. Maybe they just don't worship with you. You came by yourself today. Listen, this, we're part of a faith family together. You know, if you don't have a physical blood relative in the room with you, you've got spiritual relatives and we want you to come forward and we want to gather around you and pray for your best year ever. I was standing next to someone in the early service praying for someone and I heard one of our prayer leaders pray for this person to have their best year ever. And I said, give me some juice and pray that over me. Let's go. How many want your best year ever? Well, you can say, well, it's just motivational speaker up there. He's trying to motivate. That's a Tony Robbins with a cross around his neck. That's fine. And you know what I would say to you in the words of Christ? As your faith, be it unto you. My faith says God is real. God's got a plan for my life. And if I seek him first, he will release grace over my life. And this could be the greatest year of my life. Well, preacher, I know you. You're going to be here next year proclaiming that. to be. That's right. I'm going up, bro. 24 is going to be even better than 23, but I'm into 23 right now. I'm believing for the best year ever. Not for me. I'm not talking about pay raises and promotions and bigger houses and boats. You know, I, I wouldn't turn those down, God. But I'm talking about, you know, my life mattering for something bigger than all that stuff. Man, I want my life to make a difference. I want people to be different because I was in the room. I want people to come in broken and walk out mended, come in depressed and walk out encouraged. I want to 
I want to be different in the room, right? I want my children to, I want the ceiling over my head to be the floor underneath their feet. You know what I'm saying? That's bigger than money and, and all that other thing. 